0: Alright, welcome to Golden State of Mindcast. This is Ivan. Now, first off, if you're listening to this on the web through SoundCloud, then that's awesome. Uh, big thanks to them and SB Nation uh, for the thing they've got going on, a nice partnership that allows us to, to do this really easily. Uh, but if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast... You should definitely get on that. Uh, it, it's you know obviously you subscribe and it's a lot easier to uh, to get the newest episodes. And we're going to be coming through with uh, with new episodes. You know hopefully every week, maybe a couple times a week, maybe once every few, but but uh, as often as we can we can get these on the air. So uh, you can find us on iTunes by searching Golden State. And if you use some other podcast app that needs the RSS feed link, you can always find that at goldenstateofmind.com. Just look for one of these uh, one of these posts where these are going up. Uh, all right, so we told you that we are going to be doing a few different things with the podcast this year. Uh, you might have heard last week's big roundtable season preview, and, and a roundtable is just kind of you know, one of the types of, uh, um, of recordings that we're going to be doing, uh, and, and today's another. Uh, if you're a regular reader of Golden State of Mind, you know about the Q&As that, that Nate Parham does uh, with other SB Nation bloggers as kind of a game preview, and he does those every a couple of weeks, um, and, and we'd like to keep that going, but this year we thought it would be fun to do those Q&As in audio format. So let me throw it over to Nate, and uh, Nate can introduce today's guest. Nate?
1: Sure. So obviously we have uh, the Spurs coming up uh, tomorrow on Friday, so uh, we thought we'd bring on, uh, on Michael from uh, Pounding the Rock to, to answer a few questions about the Spurs. So basically I have five questions, he, get, he has five set up for us, and uh, we're just going to you know, have a conversation. Uh, about the spurs kind of get get ourselves familiar with the spurs this year versus the team we saw last year in the playoffs and uh, get excited for this game on friday night so michael hello
2: hello
1: so i guess first we just kind of want to get a real a real basic idea for those that haven't been paying attention during the offseason of of where the spurs are this season and uh, i'm sure that obviously you make it to game seven of the finals you want to get back there so you know what what do you think what do you make of this team so far and Uh, What do you think will be the biggest challenge in making it out of the Western Conference this year?
2: Well, I mean, the biggest challenge is just running into a bunch of uh, Diet Coke versions of the Miami Heat, really, in kind of like the Houston Rockets, the Oklahoma City Thunder and maybe even the Warriors to a degree now that they've got uh, Iguodala on their team. I think uh, the Spurs really kind of lucked out last year with the draw that they had in the playoffs. They had a Lakers team without Kobe, and you know they were no threat whatsoever. They probably wouldn't have been a threat even with Kobe, but I mean, that first round series was a joke. And then uh, in the second round, they got a Warriors team that I think was maybe a year away. I don't think Bogut back then was quite as healthy as he is now, and... You know, I, I think Mark Jackson, you know, he, he wasn't quite as experienced, you know, as a coach. And I think now he's going to have a, like, a little bit more experience going in this year. And I, it's not that, like, the Warriors were happy to be there or anything like that. But I think uh, once the Spurs kind of figured out, you know, to put uh, Kawhi Leonard on Clay Thompson, that kind of took him out of the series. And so, you know, I think it was kind of an ideal matchup for the Spurs in the second round and that it wasn't a very physical series for a playoff series. And then in the third round, they got a Memphis team with absolutely nothing on the wing. I mean, you could really argue that the Spurs had the three best wings in the series in uh, Leonard, uh, Mondo and Danny Green. So that series, to me, was always a uh, foregone conclusion. And and I couldn't believe that people were picking the Grizzlies to win that series. I mean, I was going out of my mind, you know, how how could people be picking the... I mean, have they not seen these two teams play? It's like, I think all these people, like didn't realize that the Spurs had Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green on the roster, and we're still thinking of them from the 2010 team or something. So, uh, so I think they really had an easy draw until they got to the finals against Miami, and, you know, they almost pulled that one out. So this year, you know, obviously for them, the number one thing is, is just to stay healthy. I mean, with them, it's an older right. team. Just to stay healthy is the biggest challenge. But going after that, you know, you're going to have to uh, you know, go through a gauntlet of a lot of uh, really big athletic teams. Oklahoma City, Houston, and maybe even the Warriors. So I think that would be the biggest challenge.
1: Do you see any particular team? I mean, you mentioned the teams they played last year, but do you see any particular team as bad matchup for this team this year?
2: I think, I think the Warriors could honestly give them some problems. I think, uh, I think as strange as it sounds like a first-round series against Portland would give them some problems. I mean, I think the Spurs would win it still, but I mean, it would, it would be like a tough six games because uh, those guys throw wave after wave of athletes at you and they've got a lot of shooting. Not much defense on that team, but, uh, you know, they, they can't shoot the ball. They can't score. Um, but I think, I think really just the way those Spurs are built, I think Houston would give them the most problems and uh, maybe the Warriors. I don't think Memphis gives them any kind of problems at all. I think they'd love to see Memphis again, especially the way they're built right now. And uh, Oklahoma City, I think without Harden, I, I'm still not sold on them until I see otherwise. So I, th- I, would, I would really say the Warriors and the Rockets would be the top two.
0: Feels like every year uh, we we talk coming into the season we talk about the Spurs being kind of an older team and and, and you know say oh this is finally the year that they're going to uh, you know they're going to fall off because you know, oh they're just they're just getting old and old and old and it just never happens we we say this every year and it never happens that, do you think this is the, the season that it happens I mean not just injuries but but just old age and and uh, you know just just people start slipping
2: the guy really I'm concerned with and this might be a, this might surprise you is Tony Parker. Because he's the guy, you know, who, who relies on speed, who and he, you know he's 31, but an old 31, and he's the kind of the head of the snake, as Pop always likes to say. And he, I have concerns with him more than I do with uh, Manu Ginobili, who really can't get any slower, and you know whose game really isn't <laughs> whose game really isn't predicated on a on a speed and athleticism that much. He he does it more kind of like with his brain, really. And uh, and D- Duncan Duncan is just an amazing freak. I don't know what to say about Duncan. I thought I thought he was. We were near, you know, seeing the right. end of him three years ago, and then he did he did stuff in the off season. He got skinnier, and he kind of transformed his game. He's not really much of a low post banger anymore. He'll he'll break it out every now and then, you know, for big occasions. I think he really surprised Chris Bosh in Game Six of the Finals the way he just abused him in the first half. But uh for for the most part I mean Duncan is like LaMarcus Aldridge he's just going to you know shoot 15 foot jumpers on you all day and uh his physicalness is kind of limited on defense you know as far as like you know then he'll like play defense he'll rebound but on offense he just pretty much just shoots the ball so I think I think that kind of preserves his body and you know pop plays him 30 minutes or less pop you know he's not going to give him more than 70 games in a regular season he'll he'll sit him out in some of those second you know second half back to back so I think that kind of helps Duncan. I think he's just—he's a freak. I don't know what to say. He's just a freak. He just will not get any worse.
1: <laughs> there was some controversy last year about Pop sitting sitting the Spurs' big three out during that game against the Heat. I know, and there were some other games as well. I mean, as a Spurs fan, does that annoy you at all? It sounds like you're you're totally bought into that, in the controversy is just kind of much ado about nothing.
2: I think it's necessary evil, and I don't blame Pop for doing that at all. I think it does it does hurt him. I, uh, with uh, with Stern and maybe you know cost him a couple of points with David Stern here and there, but uh, I mean the schedule was what it was. It was the fourth game in five nights for the Spurs on a road trip. That was like I think a five or six game road trip. I mean, what are you doing as a as a schedule maker or as a cable company scheduling Spurs against the Heat on a TV when it's the fourth game in five nights? I mean, it's just just be sensible about it. If, I mean, I obviously understand the appeal of a Spurs Heat matchup. But, you know, if, you're gonna, if you want that to be a televised matchup, make sure the schedule gives the Spurs a fighting chance.
1: Right. So let's, let's move to some of the younger players on your team. Um, you obviously have summer league legend Marco Bellinelli now, former right. Warriors draft pick. Uh, wh- what do you see from him so far, and how is he fitting in? I mean, I think Warriors fans have generally some pretty strong feelings about Marco Bellinelli and what he, what he is, but he's obviously changed as a vet.
2: Well, living here, I re- I, under- I remember those feelings quite well. And uh, I can imagine they're not very high on him. But, uh, I mean, I think he has matured a little bit, uh, especially on the defensive side of the court. I think uh, Tom Thibodeau has a lot to do with that for making him at least semi-respectable on defense before, you know, he didn't care about it at all. And on offense, I mean, he's not going to be the scorer, you know, that Gary Neal was. I think, uh, at you know, at the... If they both have their A-games going, Gary Neal is more of a scorer than Marco Bellinelli. But Bellinelli has more size. He'll give you more defense. He'll give you more rebounding. I think he's a better passer in a half-court offense. I think he could fit in better with his teammates. And he has uh, less of a chance of going rogue and taking those, you know, those uh, 20-foot jumpers three seconds into the shot clock that Gary Neal took so often that would just infuriate Spurs fans. So I think really for many years, Gary Neal was kind of our Marco Bellinelli as a Spurs fan. So I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily positive that one is better than the other. But I think, you know, just as a Spurs fan, we just want to see a different face out there. We're kind of tired of Gary Neal. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be optimistic with uh, with Marco in the early going. But I do, I do know that, like, he does have some bad body language at times. He does get lackadaisical on defense at times. And I'm sure there will be times during the season where he will be in Pop's doghouse.
1: <laughs> I mean, it has to be hard coming to the, to that particular team you know with such a well defined system and such a well defined core and that's why you know I think some of the memories I have of Marco Bellinelli as a Warriors fan is is like how is this guy going to fit in with this first team but obviously I mean watching him with the Bulls I think he's definitely he's definitely matured as a player and I think he's kind of he could give them something that they need as as you said about Neal so
2: you know, he didn't choose to be drafted by the Warriors. He willingly right. chose to come to the Spurs. And right. he has a really good relationship with uh, with Ginobili. He, they played on, uh, he was like a, 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 like a 15-year-old, well, uh, Ginobili was like a 23, 24-year-old veteran on the same uh, European league team in Italy. So they have a pretty good relationship, and I think that's helping him out.
1: Great. Uh, and another guy, you guys, uh, that's kind of stepping up this year um, a little bit, according to, the, you guys had an article over at PTR um, by Bruno Passos about uh about Diao and, and kind of his heart, hot start to the season. So what are you seeing from him this season? And, and what is it that he's improving on? And can you kind of just summarize what he's doing better yet? now?
2: I don't know what has gotten into him. It is terrifying. I think they they might have changed his contract where he only gets paid if he, you know, takes over eight shots a game now. <laughs> uh, this guy this guy had to be screamed at to shoot the ball, you know, is it for the last two seasons of the Spur. I think last year he took like four shots a game. I mean, he was just, they were leaving him wide open, and not because they didn't respect the shooting, they just knew that he wasn't going to shoot, and now this year, he's, he's taken at least seven shots every game, in all but one game, he's taken nine shots, I mean, I, I never thought I'd say this in my life, yesterday, I mean, yesterday against Phoenix, he was actually shooting too often, there was a couple of shots he took that were like, you know, kind of like Gary Neal-like, Monte Ellis-like, where you're like, no, what are you doing, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, he's just like, the second he touches the ball, he's putting it up. And I just, I've never seen a player this late into his career, like, go into this massive transformation in his personality. And I really don't understand where it came from, but I think the Spurs kind of need on offense, you know. And uh, maybe once other teams adjust to it and start covering Boris Dial a little bit more, it'll open things up in the half court for them.
1: Do you think that changes the way they match up with the Warriors at all, with him being a scorer who get I mean, he played some, I mean, I think he plays four. Quite a bit. I mean, is, is that something that that will change the way they match up with the Warriors?
2: Uh, I mean, it it has to. It has to. I mean, especially yeah, like like you said, like teams like the Warriors where they play small a lot. Uh, Boris is on the floor unless you know they really want to go small and have Kawhi Leonard on, on the four. And uh, so I think Boris with a uh, with them uh, cut, deciding not to not to bring Sam Young along, along aboard, not to bring uh, uh, Corey Maggette aboard. Boris deal you know, is almost their backup power forward. In a small ball alignment, especially when you know when Kawhi Leonard's not out there, so uh, it's one or the other, really. So um, yeah, I mean, he, Boris he has to be the guy who stretches the floor for them a little bit and opens things up for for Parker and Ginobili.
1: So you mentioned Corey Maggette, who again, former Warrior and a guy who I don't know if there's even mixed feelings on that guy. I think people are pretty uh, pretty negative about that guy around here. I mean, he's another guy who I look at when I think about the fit with the Spurs, and I say. There's just no way that guy fits with the Spurs. What what do you think that was about, and how did that kind of transpire after he was brought into training camp? I
2: honestly, I I mean, he was so beyond done. I watched a couple of preseason games, and I think I was just one of those things where somebody owed somebody a favor, and you know, in the front office or something, and just like, oh yeah, just do just do my guy a favor, and just 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 let kick the tires on him. You know, what does it hurt? It's another camp body, but I don't think there was a, there was ever any realistic chance for him to make the team. And, uh, I mean, Cor- I've never seen this before in my life. Corey Maggette, like, during preseason, like, he was interviewed. And, uh, I mean, it was, like, the most lethargic interview I've ever seen where he was like, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to retire. You know, he didn't have that, like, you know, that fire in his belly, you could say, about making the team. You know, I think he was pretty, pretty resigned to it. And uh, if you ever check his basketball reference, it's kind of fascinating. This guy is, like, one of the biggest losers of all time as far as winning percentage. I mean, the teams he's been on, I mean, it is ridiculous how he could, he could, you know, Spurs would ever pick up a guy like that.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, fire in his belly, and I don't ever remember seeing fire in Corey bed belly. He, uh, yeah. He You know, I mean, he, he liked to get to the line, and, uh, you know, he liked to have a good time on the on the sideline, and I think it was actually a really good teammate, and, and I'm wondering if that might even be the reason why... The Spurs brought him in was specifically to see if he, he might fit in as a um, as a front office guy eventually because he's going to end up in a front office and uh, and they're going to love him but but yeah the the, the fire in his belly to, to win I don't, I don't really remember that well
2: I mean this is this is the same team that gave uh, Tracy McGrady a look last year right. you know l- late in the season I think really I think uh, what it was more than anything else. Was just kind of like Ginobili insurance, just to make sure that like he came the preseason and that he was in shape and he looked like a semblance of his old self. Once they saw in preseason that you know Ginobili was you know back to his old self, you know driving fearlessly, shooting the ball okay, then they they cut bait with uh, Sam Young and uh, Corey Maggette really quick.
1: So so just to kind of wrap up our end of this from from the Warriors' questions, you've kind of touched on this a number of times in terms of the matchup and how the, how the teams match up. Uh, and why the Warriors might give them some trouble. But, you know, also Jay Gomez on on PTR had an article uh, about why the Warriors and the Blazers, who you also mentioned, give the Spurs so much trouble. And a lot of it is that kind of perimeter shooting, that ability to make really tough shots um, that the Spurs give up defensively. But, you know, are there there specific matchups you look at? I mean, obviously Curry's playing out of his mind. Thompson's been playing out of his mind. Are there specific matchups you look at that really are going to give the Spurs some trouble um, on Friday?
2: Well, the two the two that I would point toward one is a uh, is a uh, obviously curry but just from the standpoint of uh of uh not really what Curry's doing but more what Danny Green is doing because until yesterday against Phoenix Danny Green really struggled with his shot really struggled with getting open on offense and it, it got to the point where he was benched a couple of times by pop and wasn't playing as many minutes as he used to and uh you know if Danny Green's not out there then defense on curry gets a lot tougher and uh, I think uh, so I Really, I mean, if Danny Green could stay on the floor, I think they have a lot more uh, chance of being comfortable against uh, Stephen Curry. And the second thing I'm concerned about is uh, how uh, Andre Iguodala changed the equation. I think uh, last year the Spurs were able to kind of hide Tony Parker on that third guy. But now if Iguodala's on the floor and you have Curry and you have Thompson, well, then you're almost forcing Parker to guard Curry, which makes it a little tougher and obviously on on the defensive end of the ball. So I'm kind of curious how uh, Iguodala changed the equation a little bit.
1: You haven't mentioned David Lee, but is there any way that you see David Lee possibly changing uh, the the matchup? A healthy, David, a fully healthy David Lee.
2: Let me put it to you this way: uh, of uh, what I think of David Lee, I am all for David Lee playing 48 minutes every time the Spurs and the Warriors play, especially in the playoffs, because uh, his defense is atrocious. And uh, the more David Lee, the better is is my view. More David Lee, less uh, Harrison Barnes and uh, Andre Iguodala, please. <laughs> I've said
0: The show went a little long today. We recorded this in two parts. Be sure to check out part two on SoundCloud and iTunes.